0: Good morning, it's Mary Stone from Garden Dilemmas, another early morning on the screen porch. Thought you'd enjoy that beautiful bird sound. Miss Ellie by my side just finished her breakfast, part of which is always in this treat ball. I think she's finished it though, so maybe later you'll get a little spin of it. So I have my cup of coffee. I hope you have yours, and we'll get going. (laughs) There's Ellie shaking. That's what she does to get my attention. I have my coffee. I hope you have yours, and we'll get going on our chat this morning. But first, let's take in some sounds. Mmm, coffee's delicious, and it's nice and cool this morning. Feels almost fallish, although it's only August, mid August. It's another little critter sound, a little bird. And then I'm hearing cicadas in the trees. Well, let's get started. That's my dear Ellie rolling her treat ball as I'm trying to record some audio. It was a way I had to extend her eating patterns when she first learned to Eat. regularly as a rescue dog she would gulp her food so quickly that she would be having some problems so I feed her half her food in the bowl and half in this ball which is what's rolling around hard to do things quiet in this house isn't it Ellie why don't you go lay down okay and do some reading. Okay. So I stumbled upon this beautiful field of clover, and um, it was just breathtaking. I wish I could share by way of audio the pictures I took, but of course you can see them on Gardendilemmas.com, so I hope you do that, but uh, I want to tell you about the beauty of this field. The pollinators were scurrying from one dainty puff to another, busily gathering nectar and pollen. Their hairy legs were combing through each petal of the pinkish-white blooms there were mostly honeybees but many bumblebees too all were sharing the bounty politely no arguments over who's whose i stood quietly listening to their soft buzz and saw a rhythm in their movements it's interesting how a honeybee can land on a clover flower assess its fruits then quickly move on perhaps the pollen was already taken I tiptoed through the field, grabbing photos, being careful not to step on anyone. Beyond the beauty of the expanse of flowers which lit up the field as dusk was falling, what made it more special is the ground serves as a sports field for children. It's comforting to know weed killers and other chemicals are likely not being used there, especially in the wake of the glyphosate controversy, which is in Roundup and other things. Initially, I thought the maze of clover spread over time until I learned that clover, Trifolium repens is the botanical name, is also called Dutch clover or white clover. It's used as a lawn alternative with many benefits. Again, one of the things I just love about this column is I stumble upon things like this or people ask me questions and I research and I learn so much. And so as I researched this, it I found out that before the 1950s, Clover was considered an asset in lawns until the revolution of broadleaf weed killers that also kill clover. So that's when clover was starting to be considered a weed. Thankfully, there's a revival of using clover as a lawn alternative or mixed with grass seed in high traffic areas like the sports fields where it's becoming a new trend, and for many good reasons. It's drought tolerant, so your lawn will stay greener and an all-clover park requires little or no mowing. White clover only grows 2 to 8 inches tall. You can mow it more often, though, if you're finicky about having a perfectly groomed-looking lawn, and that would be my dear Kurt, although our lawn is not perfect. If it's green, it's good. That's been my philosophy. So he's learned to tolerate all the weeds that we have, and clover is certainly not one of the weeds. Most mow once a season after the flowers fade to encourage a second bloom. Mixed with traditional bluegrass or Bermuda grass, of course, you'll need to mow it more often. Clover doesn't need fertilization, as it's a nitrogen fixer that farmers often use as a living mulch between rows of vegetables. It feels comfy to walk on, even barefoot, though best to walk shoeless only when not in bloom unless you tiptoe around to avoid our fuzzy little pollinators. Not exactly how I wrote it, but to avoid stings is how I wrote it. Anyway, it can grow in the lousiest soil and there's no discoloration from your canine kids' patches. Plus, clover seeds are inexpensive. You'll never need herbicides like Roundup or other ugly stuff as white clover squelches weeds. Most magnificent is clover attracts beneficial insects like our important pollinators that have been dangerously in decline. A field of dreams rather than a yard of chemicals. Garden dilemmas? Marystone.com. I'm just back from a walk with Miss Ellie, who's doing better, although she has her ups and downs like we all do. And uh, while on the walk, it started to rain, so I am back on the screen porch and you'll hear the pitter-patter of a light rain, which, don't you just love walking in a light rain and feel the little droplets of raindrops on your face and on your arms and skin? As long as it's not heavy rain and thunderstorms and lightning. It's just a beautiful feeling. And then that smell, that fresh rain smell, although we've had a little too much rain, actually way too much rain in the last few years, but uh, I still enjoyed my walk. So I just wanted to uh, tell you, I I, um, found a four leaf clover as I was walking along the road. It actually is interesting to me that they pop out, literally pop out at me always since I was a child. And I often collected them as a child and, and pressed them in books. And every once in a while I'll open up a book from the past and one of them will come tumbling out and it just always gives me a smile. So I was walking along the road in gratitude over Ellie's recovery underway and um, as I was doing that a friend of mine paused and as she was on her way to the hospital where she works and uh, just to acknowledge my bright orange shorts that I wear to uh, keep the traffic from running us down, not that it's huge traffic here in Blairstown, but the country roads, people like to, you know, do a lot of extreme driving, let's say, so always wear reflective gear. Anyway, uh, we said our good morning, she commented on my shorts, and I said, hey, look, I found a four-leaf clover, and uh, would you like it? So she had a big smile on her face, and she said to me that she's going to give it to the ladies at the front desk at the hospital. So. That was kind of fun. I have to admit, though, I wished I had taken a photograph of it, which I didn't do, but I didn't have time to do, and so I just wanted to share that. Speaking of photography, I have to share another story, but I think I'm going to take that inside in case these raindrops are irritating to you kind listeners, and I'll be back in a moment. Come on, Ellie, let's go inside. Good girl. I'd like to tell you about my big girl camera, which came about kind of spontaneously, although it's been on my mind for quite a while. I, one Saturday when I was working so hard, decided to uh, take a ride to the countryside of Washington, New Jersey, where a friend of mine, actually Jim, who's become a friend of mine, has a pottery studio. He and his wife Karen have done magnificent work for many years and make a living doing it, and their art is um, using nature and plants in their pottery and it turns out that Jim is quite an accomplished photographer and then other times I've met him at different garden shows and things I've asked him about what camera to buy and uh, so when I was there I was picking up some gifts for friends and um, I asked him I said so I think I may be ready to buy a big girl camera so it became a column topic I will share it hello fellow readers and hello, fellow listeners. I am a new owner of a big girl camera, a digital Nikon SLR. Previously, I relied on a point-and-shoot camera, which is getting long in the tooth, my dear Kurt said. Funny saying, long in the tooth that stems from how horses' teeth continue to grow, which indicates their age. My friend Jim Remy from Washington, New Jersey kindly guided me on what to buy. He's an accomplished photographer, and he and his wife are talented potters using nature and plants as inspiration in their art. While visiting, I admired their vegetable garden. Jim said they made fried zucchini blossoms and posted a photo on Instagram, which was a big hit. Did you save enough flowers so you'll have zucchini? I asked. Then I reminisced about the time a woman pulled over on the side of the road when I was walking Miss Ellie and asked why her zucchini had not borne fruit. So anyway, I'm going to tell you spontaneously this story because I wrote it a little differently for the press newspaper, which I've been writing for for seven years, primarily because I didn't want to offend anyone. And and, um, that's an interesting subject, isn't it? Um, And there's nothing offensive about it to me. This gal pulls over, actually it was two people in the car, pull over in a a Cadillac and, um, you know, farm country right next to the cornfield. I thought it was a little odd. And this Italian lady, an older lady, comes running out, literally running out to me. And I thought, oh, my gosh, something's wrong, you know. And uh, so she, she actually has, you know, had a thick Italian accent, so charming. And she asked me about why the fact her zucchinis are not having fruit. And so I, I really didn't have an answer, I have to be honest with you. I mean, other than as we were chatting, she, uh, she told me how delicious um, the flowers are. You know, And of course, you need flowers in order to have zucchini. So it seemed kind of obvious to me that uh, maybe that's the issue. But uh, I didn't want to say that because I didn't want to offend. Jim thought it was hilarious that somebody recognized me on our country road. And the reason they did is because you know I'm walking with Ellie. And the picture that's in the paper is uh, with Ellie and I. That's my sort of headshot, if you will. So I was recognized, which is kind of fun. But I was fascinated about eating zucchini flowers, which I've never done. And I've heard about it. So, here we go, another thing to learn about. There are many flowers which are delicious, but no baby zucchini yet, the lady said. Eating the flowers is most likely why you don't have zucchini, I didn't say, not wanting to offend. Which brings me to the birds and bees of zucchini. Many vegetables, such as peas, peppers, and tomatoes, have self-pollinating flowers. Each flower contains both male and female parts, and readily pollinate in a gentle breeze. They are known as perfect flowers, with anthers, the male part that contains pollen, and carpels, the structure that holds the female part, in the same flower. Zucchini, as with cucumbers and other squashes, have separate male and female flowers on the same plant. Flowers attached to what look like little squash are the females. They usually grow close to the center of the plant, sitting low on short stalks. The males are showier and grow on long stems throughout the plant. They appear a week or two before the females and are more plentiful but are short-lived, opening before dawn and closing by mid-morning. It's critical to not water overhead in the early morning so they have a chance to pollinate. And so, rainy seasons such as we've had could be a factor in her lack of squash. Another variable could be not enough sunlight causing less fruit. Zucchini needs six to eight hours of full sun to be prolific and temps over 85 degrees during flowering also lessens fruit set. Back to the delicacy of zucchini flowers. You can eat them raw in salads, cooked in soup, or fried after lightly dipping them in egg then flour with salt and pepper. In Italy they are often used in fritters or stuffed with ricotta cheese. Mexican cuisine includes them as a filling in quesadillas. Some say only harvest male flowers leaving some to assure you'll have squash. The thing is, with the decline in pollinators, lessening the population of boys reduces the odds for squash, doesn't it? (laughs) Though you can help the process along, you can pick a male flower, remove the petals to expose the anthers, and rub the pollen directly inside the female flower. Now I'll promise this is G-rated. I'm I'm being very careful. (laughs) Or you can use a paintbrush or Q-tip. If successful, you'll see baby zucchini begin to enlarge in a day or two. Ta-da! family planning for produce. But don't look a gift horse in the mouth. Garden Dilemmas? Ask MaryStone.com. You can follow Garden Dilemmas on Facebook or online at GardenDilemmas.com and on Instagram at hashtag MaryElaineStone. Garden Dilemmas Delights and Discoveries is produced by Alex Bartling. Thanks for coming by. I look forward to chatting again from my screen porch. And always remember to embrace the unexpected in this garden of life. Have a great day.